Hello world. Special shout out to our Bethel family tuning in today, wherever, whenever you are listening to this. We're so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. Um, if you're sitting there in your living room with someone, look at somebody and say, today's your day. Like, if you're not sitting anyone, type it in the comments on Facebook, say, today is my day. And if you're telling somebody, tell them, this is the day, this is the day, this is, what you're this is the day that you reverse the negative momentum, reversing the negative momentum. We're, our lives, I believe that this message today uh, could be a turning point message for many of you who are watching today. And so I don't think it's an accident that you just happened to click in today, that you are watching this. Again, whenever, wherever you're at, it does not matter. Um, I hope you'll open yourself up to hear what God has to say today. So before we go there, though, we've kind of got a big deal announcement. Um, some of you have probably heard that some churches, even had church this past weekend, and the governor gave us a date of May 20th. And so next Sunday, we are delighted, thrilled that we have the option to gather together and worship in person. Now, we know that is an option that not everybody is going to be able to take. Uh, those of you that are vulnerable or immune compromised, it's not a wise decision for you to come and be in church in a, in a room. Now, we're, we're going to do social distancing. We're going to do all that kind of stuff. I mean, our, we, our team has been working diligently to do everything we can to create the safest environment possible uh, for all of us that are going to gather here next Sunday. And so um, we'll have all the protocols in place. We're going to do everything we can because we wouldn't open our doors up if we couldn't do it in a way that honors our values and our beliefs as a church. And so one of our big beliefs is that we're supposed to make a difference. And we need to make a difference in our community by protecting everybody else to the highest level that we can. And so that's what we're going to do. So next Sunday, May 24th, 10 o'clock, right here for those of you that can come. And there'll be a video that will be released this week, early this week, um, that will have detailed explanation of what you can expect with our first Sunday back. And uh, we want you to know what to expect. And so there'll be explanation of that. Make sure you watch that so you can come out, come out and be a part of it next week. I think I hit all the important things there. All right, who wants the word? Is anybody hungry for the word of God? Can I pray? And let's dive into this. Jesus, we thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. We thank you for technology and for Facebook. And uh, we thank you for this space right now, this moment, this time to receive from you. And so God, I pray that you use me to deliver your word, uh, to bring encouragement, to speak truth, to bring life uh, to everybody watching today, no matter where they're at. And so God, we thank you. We give you all the glory for it. And we pray it all in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Type amen if you believe it. Look at somebody, say, look at the TV and just say amen. Uh, by the way, even if you're in your living room, you can totally help a preacher out and just like preach me down right at the TV. I'm going to feel it through the TV. You can totally do it, okay? Um, all right, so I've been listening these last couple weeks to my pastors, and they've been talking about trust. They've been talking about the fact that we don't need in these uncertain times. What we need is not clarity. We don't need a guarantee we don't need to understand everything that's happening and what's coming next and what we're going to do and how to fix it all. We don't need clarity. What we actually need is trust. We need absolute trust. And I could say it this way, because some of you have been hanging around here a little bit. If you want your 2.0 quantum leap, it's not going to come trusting God at the level you're trusting at right now. 
If you want your 2.0 quantum leap, you don't need clarity. You need to trust at a whole new level. And so um, the particular piece that God really, like I was watching Pastor 70 minister last week. Wasn't that an amazing message? Just go ahead and drop some comments in there and tell her how amazing she was uh, ministering that word last week for Mother's Day. And um, it was awesome. But as I was listening, I started, literally, I started writing in my journal. I took a bunch of notes. And one of the things that I wrote down in my journal was, trust God, but do your part. Trust God, but do your part. Which is kind of ironic because I didn't realize it at the time, but I look back. The last message that I preached here in this sanctuary, when you know, the good old days when y'all were here, like we're going to get to do on May 24th, it's going to be awesome. Um, it was literally called, Do Your Part. Um, and I just felt this emphasis from God that we don't get to experience everything he wants us to experience without doing our part. And that, that was uh, the message that I preached, it was back in February, and the verse that I preached, that I jumped off from, and it's the same verse that has been propelling this church forward, pandemic or not, can I get an amen? Just type it in there, amen. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21, just gonna set, I'm not gonna preach the whole day on this, but I'm just gonna set a foundation here. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church. Where, where, where's the glory going to be, folks? Where, where's the glory in the church? Now, the church is not a building. The church is us, the body of Christ, right? But it says, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now, how many would like some of that in your life? How many would like to be part of a church that is manifesting exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or imagine? Not just for us, for me, mine, and ours, but to all generations forever and ever. We want that, right? We want to be a part of that. Now, if you read that verse, verse 20 in the Passion Translation, it says this, never doubt, let me just pause right there, never doubt, never doubt. Can I ask you a question? What is the opposite of doubt? It's trust. It's trust. So instead of saying never doubt, it could actually say always trust. You should just type that, always trust. Look at somebody and say, always trust. Stir up your faith right now. Always trust God's mighty power to work in you and accomplish all this. He will achieve infinitely more than your greatest request, your most unbelievable dream, and exceed your wildest imagination. He will outdo them all. Why? Why kind of begs the question, why? Because his miraculous power constantly energizes you. See, in order for those verses, for the reality of Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21, to become a reality in our lives, we're going to have to raise the level of our trust. That verse said, never doubt, transposed to always trust. How many of you would be honest with me and say, I don't always trust? I'd like to always trust, but sometimes I doubt. Sometimes my doubts cause me to hesitate. Sometimes my doubts cause me to trust what I can do instead of trusting only what 
he can do. Sometimes my doubts make me look to my job as my source when I'm furloughed or laid off instead of looking to God as my source. Sometimes my doubts cause me to look at the world and be scared about what's happening around me instead of always trusting that God is sovereign, that he is in control, that he is still on the throne, that nothing that's happening in our world right now came as a surprise to him. So I don't know about you, but sometimes I have some doubts. So we're going to have to raise our level of trust. And a couple thoughts about trust. Trust will not put your life in neutral. I mean, not the kind of trust I'm talking about, not the kind of trust that you read in the Bible. You go to Hebrews 11 and you read about this hall of fame of faith. Those people were not put in neutral because of their faith. Because faith is simply knowing and trusting God. It won't put you in neutral. Trust will not immobilize you. It will move you to action. Trust is not passive. It is active. Faith, knowing and trusting God, Without works is what? Go ahead and type it. And then when people are watching later, they're going to wonder why. Why does it say dead, 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 dead in the comments? Faith without works is dead. And so trust, our faith in God is what is going to move us. So in order for us to have that 2.0 quantum leap, it will require you and I not just to trust God, but to also do our part to take our trust, our faith in God, and combine it with our works, our action, our movement, our obedience. Are are there times when obedience is just simply sitting and being quiet and not doing anything? Of course there are. But more often, if you just read the Bible, you will find that obedience moves people to action. Obedience requires us to step out of our comfort zone. Obedience requires us to make some sacrifices, whether that's our financial resources or sacrificing the plans that we had. It's going to require some things of us. So when we really trust God, it's going to cause us to move. And so I just really felt that God wanted me to kind of bring this kind of like tag team with Pastor Marion and Pastor Steph, what they brought the last couple weeks, and bring this emphasis of, okay, great, great. Okay, we got trust. We're going to trust God. We're going to be grateful. He is good. God is good. Every perfect perfect gift comes from above, right? Like he's got plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope of the future. He said that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to trust in that all day. But if I really trust in that fully and I do my part, that is going to create massive impact for Jesus because I'm doing exactly what he called me to do. And it's also going to create massive momentum in my life. Let me push in on this thought for a moment. How many of you would like some massive momentum in your life? Like in your finances, you would like to have some massive, there's not room enough to contain all the money that's pouring into your life kind of momentum in your life. Uh, just say I in the comments. If you would like some of that, just let, let, let some people know that you would like that. How many of you would like massive momentum in your relationship with Jesus? Like when you pray, you hear the voice of God. When you worship, you feel his presence. 
when you're not certain of what you need to do or how you need to do it, and you lean into him and you create space, like there's just this knowing, like that, what the Bible talks about, there's a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it. How many of you would like to have that kind of momentum in your spiritual life? Just, just type I. Or look at somebody and be like, I, I want me some of that in my life, right? I mean, we want momentum in our relationships. We want momentum in our marriage. We want momentum in our business. We want massive momentum. Like, like if you're saying, nah, I don't need momentum, I think you're fooling yourself because we all want to be able to move forward in the direction that we feel God is calling us. Right? We just want to be able to move forward. And that is massive momentum. Now, I don't know about you, but I've experienced some negative momentum in my life. See, massive momentum is all about going in the right direction, Go, going in the right direction and getting there fast. But negative momentum is you going in the wrong direction and you're getting there fast. I don't think anybody wants that, right? But how many have experienced some of that? You had momentum, but it was going this way, in the wrong direction and you were getting there fast. And what's worse is you kept making decisions that increased the momentum going in the wrong direction. No, no, maybe you're not there. How many of you know some people that the momentum of their life is clearly this way? They're, they're going that way, and they're going fast. Maybe they're making decisions, and you can, from, from your vantage point, you can see it so clear that they're going that way. Now, here, I'm curious about this. I'd like you to comment on this one. How many of you pre-COVID, before all this craziness went down, how many of you had some really good momentum in your life? Maybe your life in general or some particular areas. Maybe it was your business. Maybe it was your marriage. Maybe it was your relationship with your kids before homeschooling. Um, maybe you had really good momentum before. But since COVID has happened and you've been healthy at home for eight, ten weeks, whatever it's been for you, how many of you have experienced now in your life some negative momentum? Like you were going this way and then it slowed down, slowed down, slowed down. And then you're not sure when it happened, but at some point, you started going this way. And it was slow at first, again, because that's what happens when you change. It was slow at first, when you, but now you've started to pick up speed, and you're like, wait, but I, I wanted to go that way, right? How many, if you've experienced that, type yes in the comments, because there's some people that think they're all alone, and this experience of some negative momentum in their life, and they need to know they're not. Okay, so, I, I guess, like, <laughs> there, there are probably some churches out there that are um, perfect, and they don't have any experience, like preachers and churches that don't know anything about this negative momentum thing, going in the wrong direction fast. Lucky for you, this preacher, this church is not one of those. I mean, I don't like to brag, but I'm basically an expert on negative momentum. Like, I got you, okay? I know all about this. Um, I've experienced it every area of my life. Can I keep this real? Like right now in COVID, you know what my area of negative momentum is? I put on some pounds. And to be fully transparent, like I'm working hard up here to kind of suck this in. And like I keep pulling this t-shirt down because I don't want you all to see, how, maybe I should, if I button this, I don't think, no, that won't look good. But like I'm working hard up here because 
brothers put on some pounds, and I, I've been getting into steps, but I haven't been doing the workouts, and I've been eating a little bit too much junk food, and my wife has a sweet tooth. I'm totally throwing her under the bus, totally failure curve right there. Um, and so the, I literally, negative momentum in that area of my life. Time to like, like switch that around and, and turn it, right? Uh, but like, I've got lifetime of experience in this. I experienced negative momentum in my own self-image, like in my need to be able to please other people. I mean, I remember being the chubby middle school kid, um, awkward, insecure, feeling like I was living in my brother, I have a twin, identical twin brother, living in my brother's shadow. He was smarter than me, more liked by people. Um, he was more athletic than me and always just felt like I was living in a shadow. And by the way, that, that was nothing because of what he said or did. He was my best friend. And it was really nothing because of what other people said or did. Do you know where it happened? Right here in my head. That was the story that I was telling myself. And every time I walked into a room, I, I was scared. Would people like me? Would they accept me? Would I be noticed? And I grew up with that. And the negative momentum of that from being a, from a young child all the way up, it was huge. Um, I've experienced negative momentum uh, in my marriage. Any, any married folk out there? Maybe you had some positive momentum pre-COVID, but now you experience some negative momentum. I mean, most of you have heard my story, but like uh, when your wife looks at you, when Katie looked at me and said, I'm not sure I want to be married to you anymore, that was a little bit of negative momentum. Um, we went, hopefully there's not too many children's ears in the room, but like we went a year with having no sex, no intimacy in our relationship. Like negative momentum, okay? Um, a little different, but we went from the joy of getting pregnant and going to have our first kid to having two miscarriages back to back before Katie got pregnant with Ella, and now we have three beautiful kids. But the negative momentum, that was hard to overcome. Um, so we've experienced that. It was real. I, I've experienced negative momentum in my finances, maybe more accurately, massive negative momentum in my finances. I'll never forget the day I walked out into the driveway in the morning to get into my car, and it wasn't there. And I could see the scrape marks on the pavement of the driveway where the tow truck had pulled it out when our car was repossessed. I'll never forget the Saturday night, probably about six years ago or so, when a knock came at the door and I answered the door and it was the constable serving us with foreclosure papers. Negative momentum, how do I put this delicately? It sucks. It's horrible. It's painful. It's miserable. It, it is, creates shame. It creates scars and wounds. Negative momentum can destroy your life if it gets out of hand, if it's not addressed. And I've experienced so much of that negative momentum, but can I tell you something? My pain led me to a place of understanding the most important lesson of my life. And it was just this, that no matter what is happening in my life, no matter what the external circumstances are, I have the power to choose, and therefore, I have the power to change. Let me say that for you again. No matter, I'll personalize it for you, no matter what the circumstances of your life is, circumstances of your life are, 
You have the power to choose, and therefore you have the power to change. Every single time. I realized through the pain, through stupid decisions, because by the way, all that junk that I told you about, like my decisions are what got me into that. But guess what got me out of it? Ah, I took back my power, my power to choose, my power to change, and I began to create the life for which God destined me, for which he created me. And like I heard somebody say recently, the, the people you're best positioned to serve are the person you once were. So if, if you've ever felt powerless, I was like the poster child for powerlessness. I, was, I had it down to a T. So if you've ever felt powerless, this message right now could change your life forever. Because I'm going to give you three critical steps that I had to learn to take to step to, to reverse that negative momentum, to go from going this way and going fast to some point applying some great force, turning it around and then getting this way. And now, you know what, it's kind of fun to feel your life begin to pick up momentum heading in the right direction. Not perfect, still learning things, still working a whole lot of stuff out, but I'm not going that way anymore. And I'm not overwhelmed by the momentum that, Felt literally because you feel powerless when you're going that way. And so when I hit the pause button and said, you know what? I am going to take back my power, changed everything. Because listen, God created you to be powerful. He created you to be the overcomer. He said, you're the head and not the tail. You're above and not beneath. You're a lender and not a bar. Like everybody's going to look at you and call you blessed. Like that's the blessing of God out of Deuteronomy 28. He said, he put... A spirit of what on the inside of you? 2 Timothy 1.7. The spirit, not of timidity, not of fear, but a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That's what, look at somebody say, that's on the inside of you. Type it. Say, I have power inside of me in the chat box. If you're not sitting with somebody, you can poke a little bit and say, I'm powerful. I got power on the inside of me. So, let me give you these three critical steps, and uh, this first point's not going to be new to a whole lot of you, um, because it's simply the idea that you have to take back your power. I need you to participate right now. Come on, some of you missed doing this. Put your hands over your head and say, take it back. I didn't hear you. Okay, that was okay. Some of you did it. Some of you are still sitting in the couch. Some of you got an egg sandwich in your hands. Put the egg sandwich down. Put your drink, your coffee down. Put it down. Stand up. You need to do this with energy right now. Come on. Stand up. I'm waiting. I, I, I got time here. Stand. Sta stand up. Look at somebody and tell them to stand up. Stand up. Put your hands over your head like this. On the count of three, we're going to say take it back, and we're going to go ahead. One, two, three. Take it back. Woo! Okay. Does that feel good or not? Right? So you have the power on the inside of you to be exactly who God designed you to be, who he's called and created you to be. Now, the most basic premise of this take back your power is this statement, that your circumstances do not determine how powerful you are. The circumstances of your life have no reflection on the power that is on the inside of you. 
You want the best example ever in the history of history? Jesus Christ himself, the most powerful man on the planet, went to the cross and suffered and bled and was tortured and was pierced. The worst circumstances in the world, hanging on the cross, and everybody looked up at Jesus and said, you don't have the power to change to save yourself. Save yourself if you can. But see, Jesus, hanging on the cross, was never a victim. Because Jesus wasn't forced to that cross, Jesus chose the cross. And he wasn't a victim, not because of what was happening out here, not because of this. He wasn't a victim because of what was happening here. He made a decision, what was happening here and here in his spirit, that this is the destiny to which God's called me. In fact, let's read that. Matthew 26, verse 39 says, In the garden, Jesus prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet... Not as I will, but as you will. See, Jesus made a choice to not be the victim, but to fulfill his purpose. He made a choice to not play the victim, but to fulfill his purpose. His life was on a trajectory to make a difference. And it was all because of a choice. You know, there's something that I've shared many times before. I just thought I'd pull it in real quick. Uh, there's a great book called The Slight Edge by Jeff Olson. You should totally read it. And uh, he talks about the success curve and the failure curve. Success curve, right? We want that. Failure curve, woo! We don't want that. The only difference between success and failure is the mindset. The mindset of the, su- of the success curve is responsibility. The mindset of the blame or the failure curve is blame. Pointing the finger, playing the victim. It's your fault. It's their fault. This doesn't sound familiar at all right now, does it, in the midst of a pandemic? Do you still see some people living right here? Blaming, playing the victim, and pointing fingers. The inevitable curve goes here. And the stat he shares in the book is 95% of the world is living down here and only 5% up here. I also like to call this the blessing and the cursing curve. Because the blessing of God is available to every single person. The fullness, spirit, soul, and body blessing of God is available to every single person. But if you blame the devil and you blame your circumstances and you blame how you grew up and you point the finger at everybody else for the life that you have instead of taking back your power... And living into the goodness of God, the fullness of God, the abundance of God, you're going to live down here. You're going to live in the cursing. Choose you this day whom you serve. You set before you life and death. Choose which one you're going to have, life or death, blessing or cursing. That's what the Bible says. So the blessing and failure curve. So what's the difference between living on this curve and living on this curve? One word, and it's what changes everything for you for me. This, this one word could change the trajectory of your entire life. You could come out of COVID healthy at home. You could come out of a totally different person because of one word. Choice. The power to choose, therefore the power to change. The choices that you make 
will determine the life that you have. You are the sum total of every decision you have ever made. That's a quote from my pastor. You are the sum total of every decision you have ever made. And make no mistake about it, God created you to be a powerful person. Genesis 1.28, it says that he created man and woman and he said, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion, reign, in, reign over the creation. You were created to have dominion, to reign, to rule. That sounds pretty powerful. Like the spirit that lives on the inside of you is the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead? That sounds, that sounds a little bit powerful. I love this one in uh, John, John 16, It says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble, it says. In this world, you have trouble. T but take heart, I have overcome the world. And who's on the inside of you? That same Jesus, that same spirit, the overcomer. So the question is, will you take back your power? Will you stop playing the victim regardless of circumstances? Listen, I am not diminishing. The reason I feel like this is a timely message, some of you have heard me share some of this before. It's a timely message because in the midst of COVID-19 pandemic, healthy at home quarantine, some of you have lost jobs. Some of you have been furloughed. Some of you have lost loved ones to COVID or to other things. Some of you have lost loved ones and you haven't been able to mourn with family and friends to bring closure to that loss. Some of you, you, you are struggling in so many ways in your life right now. Some people are in abusive situations and they have to stay home. They can't go out to escape. I'm not diminishing your circumstances, whatever they may be, however difficult or painful they may be. What I am saying is, don't tell me what's happening to you. Tell me what you're going to do. Now, that, that's not what I would say if you sat down in my office and I was counseling you. It's not what I would say then. But right now from this pulpit, I can step back because I want to help you take back your power. And I can say, listen, don't focus on what's happening to you. Focus on what you can do. Focus on what you can control. Focus on what you can do. That power that God has put on the inside of you to choose and to walk into his will. To walk into his blessing. To walk into his calling for your life. What will you do. Because some of you need to be honest and realize, just admit that you've been living down here for too long. Some of you, for the last 10 weeks, you've been living down here and progressively living down here. You're going the wrong way and you're getting there fast. Today is the day. Today, type it in the chat or look at somebody and say, today is my day. This is my moment. This is your moment to take back your power. So everybody put your hands over your head. You don't have to stand up this time. Put your hands over your head and say, one, two, three, kick it back. That should feel good. If you're doing it right, that should feel really good, really powerful, all right? Critical step number two. Whew. All right, I'm, I'm going get, to get, get this into you. Critical step number two, recognize your own potential and live into it. Recognize your own potential and live into it. Now, I always like to say when I talk about this, have you ever recognized that some of the most powerful people in the world don't really think of themselves that way? I mean, Mother Teresa, Billy Graham, that little old lady that is always there that's really sweet and 
gives you the kiss on the cheek or that teacher. Like, they, the most powerful people don't think of themselves that way. And why is that? Because they just know who they are, and they're focused on being who God's called them to be. They're not trying to impress you. They're not trying to get you to like them. They're just being who God called them to be, and there's something powerful about that. Uh, my grandmother, I think, is probably the one that taught me this greatest lesson. Um, she passed away many years ago now. Uh, I don't think we're close to 10 years now. And she was this amazing woman. And her husband died when my dad was still a little boy. She raised three sons all on their own, on her own. She never remarried. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom until her husband passed, and then she went back to work and she raised those three boys. She went to work and she went to church and she served people. And, you know, when she was 13 years old, she gave her life to Jesus at a little church camp meeting in Mount Vernon, Ohio called Camp Syker. And she raised those three boys at that camp meeting every year. And all three of those boys became pastors. And when she passed, 12 of her 19 grandchildren, myself included, were actively involved in ministry or full-time in ministry serving God. She had a legacy, like a legacy that continues to have a ripple effect. Now, did my grandma think she was the most powerful person in the world? No. But was she one of the most powerful people in the world to me, to everybody attached to her legacy? You better believe it. In fact, this, this second point, I say recognize and give your, recognize your potential and give it to the world. Um, there, there's a movement. I forgot to tell you this one. Let's just do this real quick because I don't want you to miss this. Recognize. You might want to stand up again, but you got to move quick. Stand up quick. This is it. When you do this, this point, this is the, the motion for this point. You got to recognize. I love that. You got to recognize. Come on, let's do it one more time. One, two, three. Recognize. Now, did grandma walk in the room? and say, recognize, like, did she do that? Like, no, she didn't do that. She was just being her. Listen, who, wherever you're sitting with somebody else or type it in the chat, just say this, type this, you be you. Your potential is not to be like anybody else on the planet. You be you. God made you uniquely beautiful. You are a masterpiece. In fact, let's read that Bible verse. Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. You are a masterpiece. You were perfectly created, fashioned by God to fulfill your calling, to be a powerful person. And the definition I'm giving that is to just be who God called you to be. I think of another group of people who have been revealed during this pandemic as superheroes. Now, I'm a father of three children, two of them younger boys, very active young men. They're awesome. Um, but the, the people I'm talking about that have been revealed as superheroes in our society are the teachers who teach our beautiful, wonderful children, and they make it look easy for Pete's sake. Um, Hudson's teacher, his birthday was last weekend. He turned nine. Happy birthday, son. Um, and his teacher drove from Lexington all the way out to Nicholasville just to put a little gift bag in his box. Thank you, Miss Julian. You're amazing. Um, 
And she didn't even need to be seen. I just happened to walk out the door when she was putting it in the box, and so we had a brief little conversation. I told her about the, the picture I saw of the window, the car window that was written on for the teacher's parade, and the car window said, you lied. My child is not a joy to have in class. Um, and she laughed, and I laughed. Um, but teachers, like, do they walk into a room, whether that's with you in a parent-teacher conference or with your kids, do they walk into a room and like, recognize? Do they got a chip on their shoulder? Do teachers typically have this arrogant aurora? No, they don't. They know what they're called to do. They're not in it for the money. They're not in it for the accolades. They're in it because they're called to do it because they're being themselves the version that God called them to be. So I want to ask you, what has God called you to do? What is the potential within you? Who are the people that you connect with easily that other people have a hard time connecting with? What are the things that you do that are easy for you that other people are like, I don't know how you do that. That might be a cue to your unique calling, your potential. What are the things that fire you up angry that you're like, that's not right and I'm gonna fix that? That could be part of your unique potential to bring something to the world. What are the things that you love more than anybody else? That could be a signal to your unique potential that you need to recognize so that you can give it away to the world. Listen, nobody else can fulfill your potential but you. You have the power to choose. You have the power to change. You have the power to look within and realize God don't make no junk, but he made me and I'm a masterpiece. Uh, let me give you one more verse, on the, or two verses. Philippians 4, 12 through 14. It's three verses. I, I got it. Philippians 4, 12 through 14 says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do, one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I wish that I was in a room with you so I could walk down to the front row and grab somebody and say, did you hear that verse? It says that Jesus Christ took hold of you for a purpose, for a destiny. Like if you're in a room with some people, just grab somebody right now and say, God took hold of you. Don't hurt anybody. I just had a vision of my sons grabbing each other and hurting someone. Calm down, son. Sit, sit back down in your seat right now. Um, Jesus Christ has taken hold of you for a purpose. It would be such a shame if you just lived this life being ordinary, being satisfied, just getting by, just surviving, just trying to get out of the other side of this pandemic and not being crazy, not killing anybody. It would be such a shame for us to live below the calling of Jesus Christ on our lives. See, there's greatness on the inside of you. And I think it's high time that you step up, that you recognize with humility and with gratitude, not with pride and arrogance, that you recognize the greatness on the inside of you and then you step up to give it to the world, which leads us to critical step number three because once you, hands over your head right now, one, two, three, take it back. Once you take it back and then you 
recognize the potential within you, then once you recognize that with humility and gratitude, point three, critical step number three, you cannot hold it all in for yourself. Once you recognize it, then you give yourself to the world. Then you give away the greatness, the potential, the goodness, the calling that is on the inside of you. You you take it back. You recognize what God has given you. And then you say, all right, God, I'm up for the challenge. I'm going to give myself away. I'm going to give myself away because there's people counting on what's on the inside of me, what's on the inside of you. Acts 20, verse 24. But Paul says this, the Apostle Paul at the end, he says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I'm going to read it again. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Here's the truth for Christians. If you're a believer today and you are not using your life to tell others the wonderful news of the grace of God, your life's worthless. If I'm not telling others the wonderful news of the grace of God, my life is worthless. I have a responsibility to tell others the wonderful news of the grace of God. I can do a whole lot of things, and I do, but if at the end of the day, my life is not focused on telling others the wonderful news of the grace of God, my life is worthless, it is of no effect because that's the responsibility. That is the calling on my life. It's the calling on your life. That's what it means to make a difference. To take, listen, I'm not trying to take back your power so you can be all powerful and people can know your name and you, you can be the best of the best of the best of the best, sir. Like, I'm not trying, no. Like, that is not the point. The point is take it back. Recognize what's on the inside of you and then recognize that God put it there so that you could give your greatness to the world so that you could make a difference. So you can build what God said to build. So that you can be focused on what God said to be focused on. So that you can love the unlovable. So that you can hear those that have been silenced in our society and give them a voice. Give them someone that cares. We've got to give away what God's put on the inside of us. That is our greatest calling. That is our greatest responsibility. Jesus, uh, just before he went to the cross, In John chapter 13, he gathered the disciples together at the Last Supper. And he told them to sit down. And he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And he filled a water basin. And he went down and he knelt down. And he washed his disciples' feet. The very beginning of the verse that describes this, it says, Jesus... Having, actually, let me read it to you because I want you to hear the word of God. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. The most powerful man in the room, the most powerful man on the planet. He knew it. 
He knew it. And what did he do? He served. He laid down his power to serve others. He made a difference for those disciples. He said, hey guys, this is what leadership looks like. This is what love looks like. And he set an example. He made a difference. So my question to you is how are you going to make a difference? Come out of this pandemic, like healthy at home for 10 weeks, guys, come on. We've acted like it's the end of the world. Healthy at home for 10 weeks is not the end of the world. In the grand scheme of things, the difficulty, the inconvenience that we've endured. Again, I'm not diminishing circumstances. Some people had heightened circumstances. I get that. But how are you going to come out of this? Are you going to come out weaker, discouraged, on the failure curve, blaming, pointing the finger, getting caught up in the politics, getting caught up in the, the, the debate, the conspiracy theories? How are you going to come out? Are you going to come out powerful? ready to make a difference, give your greatness to the world. You get to choose. I get to choose how I come out. And so my challenge is you, to you is to choose to reverse the negative momentum. What is your first step to reverse that negative momentum? Take back that power. What, what is the, the next step? It is to recognize what God has placed on the inside of you Recognize that. Don't play small. Don't make any more excuses. Don't be lazy with the greatness that God has placed on the inside of you. Recognize that it's there, that there's greatness that this world is desperately in need of. And then spend your life giving it away. Spend your life adding value to other people. Spend your life making a difference and giving God all the glory. I want you to close your eyes right now. I know you're sitting in your living room or I don't know where you're at, sitting somewhere, driving down the road, if you're driving down the road, don't close your eyes. But everybody else, close your eyes for a moment. Take a deep breath. And just say, Jesus, what's my next step? Where do I need to take back my power? I'm pretty sure the Holy Spirit's gonna pinpoint one thing or one area right now. Holy Spirit, do your thing. Where do I need to take back my power? Just note. What is it? That one thing. Say, Holy Spirit, where do I need to recognize my potential? Where's the greatness that I've played small and I haven't given away to other people? God, where's, where's my potential? Where's my greatness to give away? Let them pinpoint one thing. Maybe it's that encouraging words that you give to other people. Maybe it's the joy that you bring. Maybe it's the perspective. Maybe it's the wisdom. Maybe it's that you can do a process like nobody's business. Maybe it's that you're the best mom in the world. Maybe it's that you sacrifice easily for others. Where, where is that greatness that you have to give to the world? Let God pinpoint it right now. And then lastly, I want you all to really pray this. Say, Holy Spirit, where do I need to make a difference? Starting today. Where do I need to make a difference? Starting today. Do your thing, Holy Spirit. Pinpoint that way that you've called them uniquely to make a difference. Do it now, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Now, before I close this out, just real quick, the most important decision of your life, if you want to take back your power, listen, you can try and take back your power all day, 
But if you're trying to do it on your own and you're trying to do it from an earthly, through your mind, through your action, through your behavior, it ain't gonna work. You need the spirit of God living on the inside of you. And so if you are far from God and you need a relationship with Jesus, right now is your moment. This is your day. This is your day. This is your moment to say, God, I'm far from you. If I died today, I don't know where I'd spend eternity. But I'm pretty sure it's not with you. So God, right now, I want to make this right. And so if you are far from God and you need a relationship with Jesus, I want you to make the ultimate decision of your life. Never will you make a more important decision in your life. And I want you to pray this with me. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for accepting me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins so that I could be in relationship with you. I believe it and I receive it in Jesus' name. Jesus, from this moment forward, I'm going to make a difference for you. I'm going to leverage my life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer, type Jesus in the comments right now. Somebody on our team will connect with you. Uh, We want to help you take a next step. If you were in the room, we would be shouting and everybody would be clapping and everything. So you know that we're celebrating that with you. But we can do it in the comments section right now. So please do that. Listen, we love you. We cannot wait to see you next Sunday, May 24th, for those that are able to gather. Again, be watching for that information coming out this week to give you details so you know what to expect next week. We love you. God bless you. Go out there and give your greatness to the world, people.